0: So you show up to these things. A lot of times there's drinks and hors d'oeuvres and you're, you're grabbing plates of food and you're holding everything together and people come up and wanna shake your hand and you're fumbling with your food and you just, <laughs> you're you're taking business cards if they even have those anymore. What is up, Data Fam? I'm Matt Bratton, 16-year analytics career professional with 12 years of leadership under my belt. It feels like only yesterday I was a bright-eyed, bushy-tailed new hire without a clue in the world, but now I'm building teams as an executive in the space and it feels like I'm just getting started. So if you're looking to get in, move up, or make an impact in the field of analytics, you are in the right place, so stick around. This is the Daily Analyst Podcast. What would you do if you had to start over in this field there's a lot of really good ideas out there and it's interesting to hear all the different perspectives i think for me i'm one of those people who who got in this game so long ago there wasn't really a clear career path in the analytics space at the time so think back in 2004 sure there were people who are analysts i mean i i came out of college with an analyst role but it wasn't analytics in a conventional sense or in the sense that we think about it in today's terms, right? So what would I actually do differently? How far back am I going to go? I think it would be only fair to go back to college because this is is where a lot of people are either currently or they may be considering going back depending on whether or not it's going to actually help them, right? There's a lot of career changers who want to get into analytics and they don't know if they need to go back to school or not i think i would say that if you are an existing career professional considering going back to school do it because you want to not because you have to okay i don't want to get too far ahead of myself but just think about that for a moment while i i, I go back into my past and think about some of the things that i feel like i did right Given the context of everything that was going on, maybe that I would do differently and ultimately what I would do moving forward. So before I talk about school, I actually want to talk about the first question. And this is something that I think gets a little bit overlooked. And it's something that I addressed actually in the first episode here. You really need to get clear on your path within the field of analytics. It's actually a pretty broad career space at this point. You know, I've got my analytics career foundations course where I talk through all the different kinds of analysts that you could, the different hats that you could wear. You could be operational analyst, you could be sales analyst, you can be a marketing analyst, financial analyst, supply chain analyst, HR analyst, and on and on and on. Don't even get me started on data science and that whole other area that I don't necessarily lump in with analytics. Uh, it's a whole different beast on its own. That's not really what we're talking about here. So the first things first is really to get clear on what it is that you want to pursue You, with the understanding that you're not going to get it right out the gates. Okay, you're. That's going to be a moving target throughout your career. You're always going to stumble on things that you find interesting and hopefully you'll be in a position to pursue them and see where it takes you. I didn't set out to be what I am today. I actually set out to really go up the ladder in the financial space. But what ended up happening was I went down (laughs) deeper into the data sphere, right? Because I started out in finance and banking and dealing with financial statements and P&Ls and budgeting and planning and all of that FP&A type stuff. But at the end of the day, money, just numbers, it's just data. Right, Doesn't matter that it's coming out of a financial system or it's coming out of Salesforce or some other CRM or some ERP system. It's all data. And what we do with that data is ultimately what determines whether you're an analyst. So I'm kind of beating around the bush here. First, you got to get clear on what it is that you want to do. I knew coming out that I wanted to do something a little bit in the realm of financial analytics, but I didn't quite know what that was called. This is, this is highlighting the importance of talking to people, meeting professionals, and getting a clear understanding of what it is that you're chasing after so that you can be well positioned when it's time to declare your major and make sense of what it is that you want to do. Because To do what I ultimately did, which was get into banking and financial analytics, my degree in finance was actually a pretty smart thing to do. I could have and I've talked openly about this before I strongly considered getting a degree in accounting. I don't think that would have been a bad idea I, I think it it may have actually opened more doors to me maybe doors that I would have wanted open or or not. I don't really know at this point but accounting being the language of business uh, you can't really go wrong with an accounting degree. Finance is like a a, an accounting degree light, right? You have to take some accounting, you have to understand finance in general, and you also touch on some analytics in the form of ratios and metrics and KPIs and things like that. But now education has most programs, most business programs have analytics, and often they're bolt-ons to information systems training. If that's a path that you want to pursue, I I don't think it's a bad one, but I would strongly encourage anybody who's interested in analytics, take some finance classes, take some accounting classes if they're not part of your general ed. You should definitely pursue those because understanding the financial flows in an organization are absolutely paramount to making an impact in your field. The way that people will take you seriously as an analyst is going to be if you demonstrate a clear understanding of how your business, the business that you work in, turns a profit. What are the drivers of revenue? What are the drivers of cost? How are the decisions that you're helping the business to make going to impact the bottom line? All roads lead back to the bottom line, so make sure that you're keeping it in mind and a good way to do that is to have some sort of foundation in a financial understanding. I'm not telling you to get an accounting degree. I'm not telling you to get a finance degree. I'm telling you that I am 100% biased that I, if I could go back, I would do the same thing that I did 18 years ago and get a degree in finance. Because it covered the accounting. It covered the finance. It covered profitability. And it got me that flavor of analytics, even in that early stage, to get me where I am today. And having that understanding of of finance and ultimately business, I believe is what has helped carry me through in my career. So if I had to start over, I would get clear on what I wanted, and that's what I did. I, I asked questions, I pursued internships to gain clarity, and ultimately decided that this is what I wanted I wanted something kind of financial analytics got into the banking credit analyst. it's very similar in, in discipline got my finance degree so those are things that I don't know that I would change if I could go back what I would change is how networking played a role my network was negligible at the point in time that I graduated I had a couple of really good connections that ultimately paid off, but LinkedIn was not a thing. When I graduated, LinkedIn didn't exist, okay? So I can't fault myself for that, but I can say that I had a very bad understanding, poor understanding of what networking really was. In fact, I'm not shy. I I talk about this fairly frequently. I'm an introvert. But i'm also not shy which kind of throws people off sometimes i will speak my mind i will speak up that doesn't mean that i necessarily like to be around a lot of people and be super social i can do it i can pull it off but it's not where i'm i'm super comfortable especially with people that i don't know so going to networking events going to these these meet and greets and things like that i always felt a little bit out of my element i felt like i had to be on i had to put on a show so you show up to these things a lot of times there's drinks and hors d'oeuvres and you're you're grabbing plates of food and you're you're holding holding everything together and people come up and want to shake your hand and you're fumbling with your food and you just <laughs> you're you're taking business cards if they even hand have those anymore and uh, it was always super awkward and i never felt like i came away from those things with anything of value no relationships built Uh, I couldn't tell you a single person that I met and stayed in contact with through one of these events. It's because I came into them thinking that it's all about me. It's all about selling me. It's all about getting people to notice me. My perception on networking was flawed out the gates. So that is something that I would change. I would get educated in what it means to network. What it means to sell, quite frankly. Understanding... How to get to know people, how to ask questions, how to be interested, be interesting in conversations, right? Not coming in thinking, i got to be on point and i got to get my business card in other people's hands. That's not what it's about. It's about connecting. And you can do that by simply being interested in other people. And then that, in turn, turns into conversations. And you don't really know where those are going to go. But the more of those you can have, the more practice you get having these conversations, the more fruitful ultimately those events can be. So if I could go back, I'd probably smack myself on the back of the head and go, it's not about you. (laughs) It's not about you. It's about the experience and getting to know people. And you can't get to know people if all you're doing is waiting for an opportunity to give your pitch, right? It's not about that. Draw other people's pitch out of them and then they're gonna be more interested to hear about you, okay? So that's something big that I would change. Definitely, I would start networking earlier and I would approach it with a very different mindset that honestly, it lowers your guard. you, you I'm giving you permission to go into these things and not feel the need to be on and to be trying to convince people that you're valuable or you're important. No, just go in and get to know people. That's it. And that could lead to a lot more open doors. Now, it's also important to note that with LinkedIn, just because you can do a lot of this stuff virtually now does not negate... The approach, Like you should still, you should network on LinkedIn. That's one of the great benefits of the platform. But it doesn't change the fact you're not just out there to like drop your business card in people's pockets and go into their DMs and go like, I'm pretty awesome. You should get to know me. It should be about getting to know them. Say, so, hey, I, I saw that you went to my alma mater several years ago. What did you think of the experience? How was the transition into the work life? I see you work at this company. You've got this role. That's super interesting. I'm interested in that sort of thing. Can you tell me what your challenges were? Ask questions first. Don't try to force the issue when it comes to networking. Complete reframe. Another thing that I think about, like if I could do it all over again, um, I would look at opportunities a lot differently. Out the gates, I was very compensation focused. I think most people are. If you spend any time on TikTok or other social platforms, you'd think that anybody who talks about taking taking opportunities where maybe you don't quite make as much, that you're some sort of corporate shill or and you're 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 just out there promoting poor work-life balance and you don't actually care. It's like that's absolute hot garbage okay everybody ultimately has to look out for themselves thing number one i can't tell you what to do you can't tell me what to do haha we're even (laughs) the thing is some of the most miserable people i've encountered in my corporate career have been people who finally secured that high salary they got that job that they they wanted and it sucked. It sucked the life out of them. But the compensation made them stick around. They couldn't fathom taking lower pay. They basically priced themselves out. What a lot of people don't understand is a lot of times when companies pay a lot, it's for one of two reasons. Number one, tons of competition, and they actually the company is actually in a position to pay a lot, and they, they want high t- the good talent, and that's what they do. But in the more common scenario, I hate to say this, it's because they have to. They have to pay more to get people to stay on board, to come on board and then to stay on board because they know that you're not going to find that kind of salary outside of their company. You find this with roles too. Certain jobs that are just very difficult work life, they basically, they're paying for your life. They're, they own you. That's the approach. So when you see people who get into these high-paying roles, a lot of times they feel stuck, like they can't go. And so they're constantly looking for that next role. And eventually their, their profile starts to make them look really suspect. And then they reach a ceiling and it gets really hard for them to move from there. They get stuck. And those people end up being very dissatisfied in their role. I was kind of on the trajectory to do that sort of thing until I got myself in a position where What I wanted out of life necessitated that I take a lower paying job, fairly significantly lower paying job, and a career step down on the ladder. I had to check my ego, and I took the job. I did it with a chip on my shoulder thinking, okay, I'm going to get in this role. I'm going to kick so much ass that they're not going to be able to ignore me, and I'm going to work my way up, and I did. Took that lower paying job. I took it because I felt like I had to, right? I just felt stuck. But also because I saw so much potential based on my conversations, based on what I knew about the company. I saw so much potential that I wanted to explore that and see if I could actually do what I thought I could do. And I did it. Within 18 months, I've been promoted twice and I was the head of a department, multi million dollar headcount budget. Multiple states, different offices, lots of travel. It was a great job. And I wouldn't have gotten that opportunity had I not checked my ego and taken the lower paying, lower title role that ultimately set me up for that extra boost in trajectory. And guess what? Once I did that once, once I I took that step, I realized these companies got nothing on me. I can leave any job and feel confident that it's not about the money. It's about the opportunity. And when when that mind shift happens, the power (laughs) that you feel in everything you do just completely changes. It's so liberating. One of the most liberating things that I've ever felt in my career in my life. So I would strongly encourage people to look at the opportunity not to say salary is not important. It is, right? And they gotta, you got to pay the bills. But don't let salary be your central focus. Look at the opportunity. Know what you want. Go after it. You can get it. You can achieve it. Okay? And all that to say, I did it that one time, and then I did it again. I took a massive pay cut at another juncture, and it paid off in spades in very little time. So, these things, you got to look at the opportunity in the whole. So, that's something that I would change for sure. Other things that I would probably reconsider would be so, let's say that you're, I'm, I want to circle back now to one of the comments I made about education, but if you're a career changer, should you go back to school? Things like that. So, this isn't necessarily something that I can say that I would do differently it's something more that has evolved over time in the field. And I just happen to sort of miss the current wave, but it, it relates to projects. It relates to how you package yourself, right? There's the resume, there's your LinkedIn profile. Some people set up websites for themselves. You've got your portfolio of work. I would, I would approach the portfolio in a way that really aligns with what I'm trying to do. Again, it goes back to point number one. Get clear on what you want. Understand the types of roles that would accommodate that desire. Then look at the types of projects that are meaningful for those types of roles so that when you get the attention of these people, you've got something substantive to point to, to anchor off of. Now, a lot of schools, a lot of programs, don't even necessarily prepare you for this stuff, right? You're not building a portfolio. You're getting experience in different tools. You are doing different types of projects. But if you're a career changer, right, you've already got your degree. It could be in something completely unrelated. That's okay. That's actually good. It's great to bring a different type of perspective to the field of analytics. I love it. Some of the best analysts I've ever worked with had unconventional, non-technical backgrounds. So what I would encourage you to do, if you're in that situation, you don't have to go back to school unless you want to, right? Nobody's going to tell you you shouldn't. But when you're thinking about projects, I would do one of two things. Do a project for yourself. Do something that you're passionate about exploring. It could be sports. It could be music. It could be uh, website traffic or scraping or any other thing, right? Something that In an interview situation you can talk about with genuine passion that is something that I don't see enough of I see a lot of people copying projects from public repositories and then trying to pass it off as your own work and you've got no passion for what you've done you can't even go one layer deep on what you've replicated because you didn't do it you didn't build it okay I understand that's part of the learning process, but you gotta go a little deeper. And the way to go a little deeper often is by pursuing something that you're passionate about. So think about that, think about that, number one. And then number two, think about the challenges and the needs of an entity or a business where the role that you're looking for, what are the types of things that they may do, that they may interact with? Try to come up with examples of work that you can throw together that may actually be a value to them. That could be industry related, and that could be a great leader, leader point to share with somebody as your networking. Go, hey, I threw this thing together. I thought maybe it'd be interesting for you. Uh, you know, I I wanted to explore this thing. I'm interested in this field, but you know, I wanted to share. Can you give me? You know, you may or may not want to ask for feedback. It's up to you. But really, that's that's kind of what I wanted to share. So kind of want to recap at this point I've, I've said a lot but if I could go back if I could go back in time and do it all over again I would still get the same degree that I got I would still pursue my finance degree because of the foundation that that laid I would pursue projects earlier now because that wasn't a thing then I would pursue projects earlier and I would Go deeper on Excel. This is another thing. I would go deeper on Excel uh earlier in my career. Man, I was intimidated by Excel early on, but you know, all these big fancy BI tools didn't exist. There was a lot of stuff that wasn't going on. But I would go deeper on Excel because it's used so freely out there. Most companies are gonna use it, like 93% of businesses still use spreadsheets for their budgeting and planning process, right? And that means that other departments outside of finance are probably also using spreadsheets. Google Sheets. Excel, all these things. You can't get away from Excel. It is a very worthwhile investment. I would strongly encourage anybody, if your Excel skills are a little rough, it will pay dividends to go a little deep on that. Invest a little bit in your learning there. And maybe even do a project on it so that you can speak intelligently about your skills. Don't just say, I'm an Excel expert on your resume. And then when you get asked questions about like well what's some of the more complicated things you've done you just say well you know i can i can do a V lookup, right i can create a pivot table those are stereotypically bad answers to that kind of a question just for the record so i guess that's my last point i would go deeper on a technical skill something like excel or sql or a bi tool Or Python depending on you know or R. there's a lot to choose from but I would go deep on one of them just so that you've got something to anchor yourself with do projects that are relevant to your interests that you can speak about passionately and that are relevant to your role that you're wanting to pursue I would network differently meaning I would approach it with a other person first not me first And I would be looking for opportunities, not salary. I would be very focused on what is the big picture here? What's a role that's going to get me experience that I can leverage and either grow in this role or take and springboard off into something else? Those are all the things that I think I would probably, probably do if I could do it all over again. So... I hope you found some value in this conversation. If you have thoughts, please share them with me. I'd love to hear it. And I guess that's all I wanted to say for today's episode of The Daily Analyst.